This is the American Medical Association's COVID-19 Update Podcast. This is part of an ongoing series featuring critical insights from the physicians and healthcare professionals on the front lines of the pandemic. Hello, this is the American Medical Association's COVID-19 Update video and podcast. Today, we have our weekly look at the numbers, trends, and latest news about COVID-19 with AMA's Director of Science, Medicine, and Public Health, Andrea Garcia in Chicago. I'm Todd Unger, AMA's Chief Experience Officer, also in Chicago. Andrea, thanks so much for joining us for today's update. Uh, big news on the vaccine front with the J&J vaccine. What is the latest there? Thanks for having me, Todd, and that's right. Uh, last week, the FDA said that the J&J vaccine should only be used for adults who can't access the mRNA vaccines, so Pfizer or Moderna's vaccine. Um, and the J&J vaccine should only be used for those who've experienced a severe allergic reaction or another issue with one of the mRNA vaccines and for whom the mRNA vaccines have been deemed not clinically appropriate. So the J&J vaccine can still be given to adults in those situations or to adults who would otherwise not receive a COVID vaccine and the agency came to this decision after weighing the risks and the benefits of the J&J vaccine. What, I'm curious, you know, what do we know more about those risks specifically and why the change now? Well, the agency said there have been 60 cases of a rare but serious blood clotting, blood clotting disorder known as thrombosis with thrombocytopenia or TTS. And that includes nine deaths out of about 18 million doses administered uh, in a statement, Johnson & Johnson said that the FDA's action really reflected what we've already known about the risk of the side effect, and it's not about new data on the rate at which it occurs. However, federal officials have said that the vaccines produced by Pfizer and Moderna are both safer and more effective. And as a reminder, in December, the CDC had already gave a prefer preferential recommendation uh, for adults to either get a Moderna or Pfizer booster instead of J&J. And that was even for those who had initially received the J&J vaccine. I would just note that the J&J vaccine does remain an important tool in the pandemic, particularly globally, as we think about the storage considerations for those mRNA vaccines. So J&J is still used widely in other countries. Well, speaking of uh, global news, one of the additional pieces of information that came out was about a potential undercount uh, in deaths related to COVID. Let's talk a little bit more about that. Where does that come from in terms of uh, excess deaths? Yeah, so last Thursday, the World Health Organization reported that nearly 15 million more people died during the first two years of the pandemic than would have been expected during normal times. and. That's more than twice the number than originally thought. So if we look at countries reporting COVID deaths, that uh, previous count was about 6 million. Well, that's, uh, that's quite a big difference. What, what underlies an undercount like that? Yeah, so the new estimates were calculated by a panel of experts from the WHO using, like you mentioned, excess mortality, which many scientists uh, see as the more reliable gauge of the pandemic's impact. We've often talked about uh, how there are huge gaps in the global death data. So we can't really rely on those individual countries reporting to capture that true figure. 
uh, by calculating uh, based on excess mortality, the panel basically looked at the difference between the number of people who died in, 20 in 2020 and 2021 and the number of people who would have been expected to die during that time if the pandemic hadn't happened. So can you attribute uh, all of those excess, uh, excess deaths to COVID or are there other causes? We think most of those excess deaths were from COVID itself. However, as we know, some of those deaths happened because at various points in the pandemic, it was more difficult to get medical care for conditions such as a heart attack. So that obviously uh, impacts deaths as well. We know that many of the deaths occurred in 2021 when we had more contagious variants circulating in countries that previously had survived outbreaks. Um, and we continue to see evidence of disparities in those numbers. So nearly 8 million more people than expected died in lower to middle income countries. And as we look at deaths reported in the US, according to the figures from John, Johns Hopkins, we're nearing in on that 1 million death mark and we're expected to hit it sometime this week. Um, according to the Washington Post, we have a far larger number, about 9 million Americans who've lost a spouse or a parent or a grandparent um, or siblings and children COVID. It's really difficult even to comprehend the scope of those losses. Um, when you look at uh, the state of things right now, how are we looking at some, it seemed like uh, from what I'm hearing that the numbers are continue to creep up. Yeah, they definitely are. And if, uh, according to the New York Times, we're now averaging about 73,000 cases per day, that's up 49% over the last two weeks. And this surge appears to be driven by the new BA2.12.1 variant, which uh, as of this morning represents about 42.6% of COVID cases in the US. We know that more than a dozen in, uh, in more than a dozen states, the daily uh, case average is twice as high than it was two weeks ago. And there are, are jurisdictions like Hawaii, Maine, and Puerto Rico, where yeah. the case counts are now approaching or surpassing those levels that we saw during the Delta surge. Curated from more than 3,000 major newspapers, magazines, and journals, the AMA Morning Rounds newsletter delivers the top stories in healthcare right to your inbox Monday through Friday. Subscribe today and check out all the AMA's free newsletters at ama-assn.org slash myinbox. That's ama-assn.org slash myinbox. One of the things you know we've talked over the, about uh, over the past couple of weeks is that hospitalizations didn't seem to be uh, moving up as the numbers in terms of cases were going up. Does that remain the same or has there been a change there? There's been a bit of a change and we are seeing hospitalizations also increase. We're at about 19,000 people uh, in hospitals with COVID each day in the US. That's up about 20% from two weeks ago. Um, so again, we're starting to hear those concerns about strain on our healthcare system. Um, those figures, of course, include patients who are in the, in the hospital because they're very ill with COVID, as well as those who've been admitted for other reasons who've tested positive upon arrival. And of course, the CDC is keeping a close eye on the nature of hospitalizations. Uh, CDC Director Rochelle Walensky said last week that 
we're seeing less oxygen use and less ICU stays, and we haven't uh, fortunately seen an increase in deaths associated with these stays so far, which is relatively good news. So Andrea, how should people be thinking about numbers like this and, and their risk right now? We of course just had families getting together for Mother's Day. I'm gonna be going to my daughter's graduation with my whole family next week. We've got proms, other parties, all sorts of things. Yeah, well, everything that we've talked about uh, previously really still applies and most experts are still recommending that people test frequently if they're mixing in a large group and, and that people, particularly those who are at increased risk, should consider continuing to wear a mask in indoor public settings, even if they're not currently required. Um, and just as a reminder, if you are masking, choose a high quality respirator like an N95, a KN95 or a KF94 and make sure it's well fitting. Uh, ventilation is also key. We know that uh, outdoors remains much safer than indoors and not all indoor settings are equal. There's a big difference between a large room with open windows and lots of space versus a small cramped enclosed area where people are packed together. Uh, what about the situation with masks? Of course, big change a few weeks ago uh, in terms of mask requirements and travel. The CDC also issued a statement about masks and travel. What is the news there? Yeah, on May 3rd, the CDC released a media statement regarding wearing masks during travel and in public transportation settings. And the CDC does continue to recommend that everyone aged Two years, of, two years of age and older, including passengers and workers, properly wear a well-fitting mask or respirator over their nose and mouth. That's in indoor areas of public transportation. So we think about planes, trains, buses, and ferries, um, and transportation hubs, so airports, uh, bus and train stations, and seaports. And that statement, like you said, was issued despite the fact that a judge struck down the federal mask mandate for public transportation last month, but we know that masking up in higher risk settings like airports reduces your chance of getting infected and then, of course, having to miss out on, on those events like graduation or other events that matter to you. Uh, the one positive byproduct of the federal mandate being lifted uh, is that the Federal Aviation Administration released data showing that the number of unruly air passenger incidents has reached its lowest level since 2020. Well, uh, I guess a silver lining in that news. Uh, last question uh, for you. A lot of headlines out this week about concerns about the fall. Uh, do we have any idea what's gonna happen in the months ahead? We know that senior administration officials um, have said the White House is stepping up their warnings about a COVID surge this fall and winter. They're making contingency plans to provide vaccines to the U.S. population in, in case Congress does not allocate additional funding for pandemic response. So that contingency plan would focus on ensuring booster doses are available for older populations and for those with compromised immune system. And again, that's if there's not enough funding to provide them for the general population. Um, and then I think officials are predicting uh, to, to see those waves like we've seen over the previous two years. So uh, in the summer, we would see a, a wave in the south as people move indoors to escape the heat. And then in the fall, 
uh, the thinking is it be, would begin to spread across the rest of the country, yeah. though the hope is that that spike in cases would not be as steep. Uh, we know that therapeutics are going to continue to be important, and FDA released, it, released an updated fact sheet for healthcare providers, and they've also uh, developed a new Paxlovid patient eligibility screening checklist, and that really is um, a good tool for, for providers to determine which of their patients are eligible for, for the drug and to help manage those uh, potential drug interactions. And so that resource is going to be included uh, in the uh, resources in the episode description. Um, and I think just uh, keep in mind that these are course predictions and the only thing that is certain about the pandemic is that we continue to be surprised. You said it uh, and we'll be here with the latest news as it develops. Uh, Andrea, thanks so much for being here. That wraps up today's episode. We'll be back with another COVID-19 update video and podcast next week. For updated resources on COVID-19, visit ama-assn.org slash COVID-19. Thanks for joining us and please take care. Subscribe to other great AMA podcasts available wherever you listen to yours or visit ama-assn.org slash podcasts. Thank you for listening.